0: As you might know, we have been uh, for the last several weeks learning about our giftings, our talents, our strengths, the strength that God has put in our lives and how we're to know that and how we're to use that. And that's why we have been calling this Discovering Your Superpower. Uh, today, we're going to wrap up that series on a really important topic, a meaningful topic related to discovering your superpower. Uh, but before we do that, I want to give you a little Update, I was in Dubai this week, which is in the Middle East, uh, at a conference, and yeah, halfway around the world. So that meant 14 hours on a plane going, 16 hours coming back. So yesterday, I was on a plane for 16 hours in a row. Oh, it was, it was so long, so long. I don't know if you've ever flown internationally, but they always put up this screen at the front of the plane that shows you like time remaining. And it's really, it's really challenging when you're like, man, I've been on the plane a while. You look up, and you're like, 13 hours to go. Oh, why was I in Dubai? Uh, Antioch as a whole, our, our church, is a part of a larger family of churches, like Joe said, uh, that are committed to practicing the way of Jesus, to making disciples, and to sharing the gospel uh, with every person uh, that we can. We want to be a part of seeing Jesus' goodness and his glory proclaimed to the ends of the earth. Uh, And so this kind of family of churches, you might even call it a movement of of churches that want to be about those things, uh, had a a conference. We have 37 or 38 uh, U.S. churches on the way to 50 here in the next couple years, and then around 75 teams overseas on the way to 150 in the next couple years, And they pulled all the different team leaders together in Dubai. So I got to see some of our church planners that we've sent out. And that was really fun, as well as people from all over the world. For a week, it was powerful. There was worship, there was prayer, there was kind of learning from one another. It was personally really powerful. But one of the things that stuck out to me was the power that's released when people hear the voice of God. It's powerful. There was a a gentleman that lives in Southeast Asia. He's there planting churches, and he shared a story with me that I want to share with you because I thought it was just so amazing. He he said that he was there, and he was discipling and investing in this local guy. Local guy was fairly poor, and one day was going to a job interview, uh, and he didn't have a shirt to wear, so he was wearing a rain jacket and no shirt underneath it on the way to this job interview. So uh, this, this church planner uh, saw him was like, hey, man, I think you might have a better chance of getting this job if you have a shirt on, you know? Uh, and, and so he said, here, I have a white T-shirt. Why don't you put that on? So the guy was like, okay. Puts on a shirt, goes to job interview. Remember that detail, white T-shirt. It's important. Goes to the job interview. Is on the way home. And in that country, they walk everywhere. He's uh, on the way home and it begins to rain. So if you're walking a long distance and it's raining, it's not a good idea to keep on going. So the custom is if it's raining outside, you stop, you go to your nearest house that's nearby, you knock on the door and their, their culture is you invite the person out in the rain in, you make tea and you pass time until the rain stops. So this guy in the white t-shirt returning from his job interview, uh, it's raining, goes to the nearest house, knocks on the door, man comes to the door, explains the situation, they invite him in, they begin to have tea. The guy in the white t-shirt is like, well, Maybe I should share the gospel with this man. Maybe, maybe that's something I should do right now. So he starts to talk to him about Jesus and how Jesus had changed his life and the good news of the gospel. And the man looks at him and he says, just after a short while, he says, I-, I know this to be true. I want this right now. And the guy in the white t-shirt was a little taken aback at how like quickly this guy was like, yes, I want this. And he said, well, tell me more. And the guy, the owner of the home who had invited him in, said, well, a year ago, I had a dream, and in my dream, Jesus came to me, and he was clothed in white, and he was so majestic and so holy and so glorious. I was amazed, but I was also afraid. I knew he was so holy, and then I couldn't go near him. Six months later, I had the same dream again. Again, Jesus was there, clothed in white, shining in glory. And he said to me this time, he said, I want you to come and follow me. But the man said he was still too holy. I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. The owner of the house said, last night, I had the same dream again. Jesus came to me, clothed in white, shining in glory, radiating in holiness. And this time he told me that he was sending someone tomorrow who would be wearing a white t-shirt, who would explain to me the way. And here you are, so I'm Ready? Wow. That's like, I mean, you just he shared that story. I think the whole place, like all of our jaws dropped to the floor. So powerful, right? As he receives that message, it's a changed life, it's a changed family, it's a changed neighborhood, maybe even a changed generation that comes out of God speaking to someone. I talked with another guy who was sharing with me Uh, that when he was a child, when he was five, he watched a Billy Graham crusade on TV, grew up in San Antonio, and watched this crusade. And and, uh, even as a young child, he had a heart for Jesus. And as he watched Billy Graham talk about the gospel, uh, uh, something was birthed in my friend's heart for his grandmother. He wanted his grandmother, he knew she was not a believer, he knew she was not following Jesus, and he wanted her to come to know Jesus. So as a five-year-old, he tried to share with his grandmother, and she uh, turned him down, was not interested, kind of uh, rebuffed him. And as he grew, there would be times where he would try and share with his grandmother, and she would always turn him down, always decline him, always just say, I'm not interested, into his 40s. And on his grandmother's 90th birthday, my my friend uh, is spending time with the Lord in the morning. He's reading his Bible and praying, and he senses the Holy Spirit speak to him. Today's the day that your grandmother is going to receive me. And he was like, okay. So he went to visit his grandmother for her birthday, and he brought it up again. He said, Grandma, I want to talk to you about Jesus. And he said, this time his whole life, 44 years old, his whole life, she had not been interested. She had declined. She had turned him away. This time, on her 90th birthday, she said, grandson, I need to hear this. I need Jesus. I need to be saved and he was able to lead his grandmother to the Lord. Amazing thing is shortly thereafter, she her brain began to uh, deteriorate, as happens when we get older, and went into dementia. And so that conversation that he had with her about Jesus was one of her last coherent conversations in her life. Absolutely amazing. The Holy Spirit speaking to someone, and a life transformed. I talked to another gentleman who he said that he had been uh, praying one day and God began to speak to him in prayer about a new ministry that he was going to open up for him, a new calling that he had. And it was going to be one that required risk. It was going to be one that required stepping out in faith. It was going to require a move of his family. He has four or five kids, so it was a big, big, big step. And a couple of days later, someone calls and offers him that exact opportunity. And because he had heard the Lord, Because he and his wife had heard the Lord. Their family knew this is what God was speaking. They were prepared to take that step of faith. And now God is using them in this new city to bring racial reconciliation in the city. It's nearby us. It was amazing. Again, the voice of the Lord speaking and guiding and leading. So powerful. So as we talk about discovering our superpowers, we talk about our giftings, our talents, and our strengths. We talk about even the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I wanted to close our time by talking about how do we hear God's voice? How do we hear God's voice? I've been doing this long enough to know that when we get into the topic of spiritual gifts, one of the main questions that we have is, well, how do I know if that's God? You guys talk about hearing God. I I hear my own Thoughts. Like, I don't, you know, I'm not having these, these dreams like you're talking about. How do you hear God? About a year and a half ago, I remember being in prayer, and this doesn't happen very often, but it was very clear on this day. I felt the Lord speak to me and say that if we would equip one another as a church to learn to hear God, then we would be a gift to our city because everywhere we go, into your neighborhood, into your classroom, into your family, into your workplace, everywhere you go, there's an openness to what God wants to do in that moment. And those same stories of power and transformation of leadership that we just heard about would be commonplace in our lives and we would be a gift to our city. So I put this little graphic together with the tape because depending on your age in here, you know exactly what that is for or you have no idea, if I were to show my kids that, they would be like, uh, video game? like No clue what that tape is, right? But if you're a little bit older, you remember playing tapes and that there's messages on there and you could you know, really, they were great, right? But we don't use them anymore. I find that when we start talking about hearing God, there's some of us that feel very familiar with this, and there's others of us that this feels as foreign as that tape where it's like my kids are like, Dad, I got no idea, right? And so, wherever you are today, uh, there's room to learn and to grow together. And what I want to give to you is a framework for hearing God. I want to walk you through, I don't know if anybody has ever done this for you before, but I want to walk you through how you can hear God. Not how the missionary or halfway around the world can hear God, not how the pastor can hear God, not how this. Billy Graham can hear God, but how you can go into your week this week and hear God. Does that sound good? I'm not going to give you a cheat code. If you grew up playing Nintendo, right? Contra, up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, A B, B, A, select, start. We'll give you, you know, 30 lives or whatever. And if you if you actually did play that game, you will text me and tell me what I missed in that code, because I'm sure I got something off. It's been a little while, it's been a minute. But I'm not giving you a cheat code to hearing God, where after you type this code in, then all of a sudden, you, you got superpowers. No. I want to give you a framework that you can take and apply and learn and grow around how you and I, how we can hear God's voice. So the first foundation, and I want to encourage you to take notes, because this is one of the most powerful things that you can grow in in your life. This is one of the most crucial things that you can grow in, in your life. And I believe literally that the destinies of people and cities and nations can hang on whether we as a people learn to hear and respond to the voice of the Lord. First foundation is that God speaks. God speaks. You understand as a follower of Jesus, if you're considering becoming a follower of Jesus, it is foundational to that belief that God is one who initiates communication with people that God himself speaks. The Bible opens, Genesis chapter 1, the creation account, it takes us all of three verses to get to God speaking. I want to read it to you, Genesis 1, 3. God said, let there be light, and there was light. So here we see God speaking in creation. The entire creation story is God speaking what is not and calling it into existence. God's speaking. That's the opening of the Bible. If you turn to the end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, what do we see? We see God speaking, right? The Bible opens with God speaking. It closes with God speaking. Here we have Jesus talking, Revelation 22:20. 20. Uh, he who testifies to these things, being Jesus who testifies to these things, says, here he is speaking, yes, I am coming soon. So the Bible opens with God speaking. The Bible closes with God speaking. And the entirety of scripture are stories of people hearing God speak. So as we get started, foundational point is that God communicates and that you and I, as made in the image of God, as people made in God's image, hardwired into us, in our DNA, is an ability to communicate, to both receive and speak communication with our creator. It's not for just an elite few over here. It is for all of us. It's for you. It's for me. It's for all of us that we can hear God. Second foundation, building on that, is that there is a pattern to discerning God's voice. There is a pattern to discerning God's voice. And this is really important. This is so important. So here's the pattern. And we're going to walk through each example using this. This is a framework for you. Part one, revelation. This is the idea that God initiates communication. Revelation comes from reveal, right? We're saying this isn't something I discovered on my own. This is something that God himself initiated to communicate with me. That's revelation. There's a second part, though. There is interpretation. What does this mean? God is speaking. Here's what he's saying. What does this mean? Part three, application. In light of what this means... What do I need to do, in light of what God said and what this means? What do I need to do? Let me give you an example, because all of life works this way. Every part of life works this way. If you'll show the the, the light there, what do you have? You have a green light. When we if we were driving down the road and you see that, you realize that somewhere, someone, or some computer is trying to communicate. It's taking initiative to communicate. With you and with me, those green lights are not random; they're intentional. That's revelation. But what does the green light mean, right? We know a green light means go, but that's because we had to learn as kids what does a green light mean, right? It means go. That is uh, that is uh, revelation interpretation. That's interpretation. Then what do I need to do? Application. I need to step on the gas and not the brake. Revelation, interpretation, application. When we're talking about hearing God's voice, we need to learn to begin to think in terms of revelation, God's speaking, interpretation. What does this mean? Application. What do I need to do in light of what God has said? Revelation, interpretation, and application. Each one is very important to really hearing God. Third foundation, God speaks in creation. God speaks in the created world. I love Psalm 19, and it says it like this. The heavens declare the glory of God, meaning the sky, declares God's glory. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. If you'll put up that sunset picture, this is why when you see something like this, for so many people, the response is, this couldn't be happenstance. This couldn't just be a random deal. There has to be some sort of creator who's into beauty and artistry that created this. The heavens declare the glory of god if i were to ask you when do you feel the most close to god uh, other than probably number one answer would be while i'm preaching i'm sure that would be your first choice that's a joke but for most of us what we would say is man when i'm out in nature when i'm on a hike when i when i'm in the woods when i'm on the lake when i'm at the beach when i'm out in nature i just man that's where i feel close to god Why is that? Because God is speaking there. He speaks in creation. Romans chapter 1 says this, talking about God speaking in creation, he says, Since what may be known about God is plain to them, meaning plain to humanity, because God himself has made it plain. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what, he has ma- what has been made so that people are without an excuse. What's that saying? That God himself in creation has communicated about his eternal power and his divine nature, right? He's communicating, he's speaking in creation. He's speaking to every person on the planet. This is why no matter where you go, If you get out kind of in in nature that's not been manipulated by human touch, you're going to find beauty. It may be in a desert. It may be on an iceberg. It may be in the woods. It may be whatever the condition, rainforest. But everywhere you go, you can see aspects of God's glory, his beauty, and his wisdom in creation. That's the revelation. But what does this mean? We need an interpretation. What, are this, what does that sunset mean? What do what these skies mean? What does the miracle of birth mean? If you will think back to school or if you're in school, uh, think about uh, if you studied art or literature, you probably learned about a period called the Romantic Period or Romanticism. And romantic writers and poets and musicians, they weren't writing like you know rom-coms just trying to make people laugh. That's not where the romantic idea comes from. They were overwhelmed with the beauty of creation. They were overwhelmed with sunsets like I showed you. They were overwhelmed with things like the grass of the field. They were overwhelmed with animals. They were overwhelmed with the beauty of people. And they said, surely God is in this. Surely God has made himself known in creation. And they were so overwhelmed that they would write. They would sing. They would paint out of This deep, overwhelming sense of God is speaking in creation. They caught the revelation. But their interpretation of that, what they did with that was they said, well, then this must mean, that's interpretation, this must mean because creation is so beautiful that this world is inherently good that this world and what's in me and what's in you, my desires and my feelings, all of that is inherently good. That was their interpretation because creation was so beautiful. What's inside of me is inherently good and evil comes from putting any outside regulation on my desires or my feelings. Any institution, church, government, whoever it may be that would put laws around me that would try and limit my expression of myself, that's where evil comes from. That was their interpretation, right? So then application, how did they live? So they said, man, if everything within me is good and the good life comes through just expressing all my desires, then let's live and let's live it up. So eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die live very promiscuous lives. And when you look at the fruit of their lives, what you see is largely, as you read about their own lives, they were destroyed. They were destroyed by just the free expression of whatever they had in the moment. As a Christian, as someone practicing the way of Jesus, you actually have a different interpretation of what nature and what humanity is about. You have a different interpretation. So we say, yes, the world is incredibly beautiful. There's great beauty in the world, but there's also great evil in the world, both externally and internally. And in fact, humans on their own, apart from God, are not primarily good, that we're primarily dominated by the power of sin, that what's most natural to a child is not to express goodness, What's most natural to a child is to smack their sibling, take the toy, and say, That's mine. That's what's inside of us. And so we understand as we look at creation yes, God is speaking. But our understanding of what He is speaking is not that we're entirely good and just need to release whatever is inside of us. We see that we're owned by sin and need a Savior who wants to redeem us and who wants to bring out the good, bring out the life make us into the people that God originally designed us to be. That's a very different interpretation. Therefore, rather than seeking to throw off all restraint and just express whatever I feel in the moment, rather than thinking that's the way to the good life, the fruitful life, we say it's in following Jesus, in learning to follow him rather than follow myself, in learning to express his desires and his plan and his will, that that is where life is. And rather than leading to destruction, that life leads to fruitfulness. Rather than leading to just spending your life destroying your own life, that leads to a life filled with the fullness of life. That's the application. The the revelation is the same. Both seeing the same thing. The interpretation, very different, and therefore the application takes you into very, very different places. That's why each of these points is so important in learning to hear God speak. Okay. God not only speaks in creation, he speaks third foundation or fourth foundation. God speaks in Jesus. And in Jesus, God speaks in scripture. Hebrews chapter one tells us this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. So this is God spoke in Elijah and Moses and Elisha. God spoke at many times and in various ways to the prophets or through the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, by Jesus, whom he appointed as the heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by the word of his power. Wow. So when we look at Jesus, if you want to hear God, it's very simple. Open your Bible and turn and read about Jesus, and you are hearing God's voice speaking to you. When we've seen Jesus, we have heard God speak. And we see the fullness of his glory and radiance therein. And it's Jesus who tells us that the rest of Scripture is God speaking. And Jesus himself is the interpretive key to Scripture. So he affirms all of Scripture. Let's read in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So Jesus is affirming the law and the prophets, the Old Testament. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Over and over and over again, we see Jesus affirms all of scripture as God speaking to his world. So if you want to hear the voice of God, turn to the scriptures. Now, this is so important. Just like in creation, when we're talking about the Bible, when we're talking about hearing God through Jesus, we not only need revelation, but we need what? What's the second one? Interpretation, right? We need to understand, well, what does this mean? And as we understand what does this mean, then we need to ask, how do I need to live in light of what this means? Great example from our recent kind of uh, recent events A couple of months ago, uh, when there was a big political discussion on every news channel about the U.S. immigration policy and what was happening at the border, a politician came on uh, TV, one of the big stations, and his his statement as to why people need to support the United States immigration policy, regardless of whether you think, whether you're a Republican or you're a Democrat or you're Libertarian, you want to blow it all up, whatever you think, Right? What they said was the justification for this policy, and you may agree with this or disagree with this, right, was Romans 13, where it talks about honoring authorities, honoring governmental authorities as being instituted by God. Therefore, you need to support this policy. That's what was said. You might remember it, right? But, but many people began to raise their hand and say, that's what it said. I just don't know that that's the interpretation of what's being meant there, of what God is, is speaking, Right? Because this same scripture was used in Nazi Germany to bring about support of Hitler, to say you should support Hitler because Romans 13. So people were raising their hands say, hey, hold on. I think we need, I think we need to talk about the interpretation here. We've got the revelation, we need the interpretation. I think you and I are both aware of where that interpretation would lead to various forms of application and get us into really dark spots. That's why. With the same set of scriptures, you had people who fought and led the way for the abolition of slavery, and you had people who used scripture to justify the continuation of slavery. And if you've read the Bible, you realize, oh, you can snap a verse from here or there and make it say anything you want to. So it is dangerous if we look at creation and we don't think thoughtfully about interpretation and application But it's also dangerous if we come to the Scripture and we don't think through the interpretation or the application. That's why for you to mature in hearing God's voice, you need to take the time and I need to take the time to learn. How do we interpret God's Word? How do we apply God's Word to our life if we really want to hear Him? Next way, that God speaks. God speaks by the Holy Spirit. God speaks by the Holy Spirit. Now, depending on uh, what church background you have, what your spiritual formation was, you might have grown up in a church that said, well, hey, we've got the Bible. It is full. It's complete. It's accurate that the man or woman of God may be equipped for every good work we don't need anymore. We have everything we need. So when it comes to the Holy Spirit speaking, if that's where you grew up and understand that perspective, you start hearing this and warning signs start going off. Your check engine light is coming on, right? Danger, danger, danger. You need to pull over. You don't know what to do with that. Here's what I would like to submit to you. It's the scriptures themselves that testify and articulate that God wants to speak to us by means other than the scripture. It's the scripture themselves that testify that God's desire is to speak by means other than the scripture. So hear me, God speaks through scripture, but it's not the only means by which he speaks. But God will never speak in another way that negates or or, or goes against scripture, okay? So rather than, well, you felt this, I read this, they're kind of even, no, no, no here's the Bible, here's God's revealed Word that Christians have affirmed for centuries, and then anything that I sense from the Holy Spirit, right, is in submission to the Word of God, is filtered through God's Word. This is a safeguard to us. But the Scripture points over and over and over again to God's desire to communicate with us by means other than the Scripture. Let me share a few with you. John 10, chapter four, Jesus speaking, talking about himself being the good shepherd. And he says this, when he being Jesus has brought out all of his own being his people, Jesus goes ahead of them and get this, his sheep, his people follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. So Jesus saying part of following him, not just for super Christians, not just for the missionary overseas, but for you and me, is that we would be a people who follow his voice like a sheep follows the voice of their shepherd. John 14, Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you, teaching involves communication, all things, and he will remind you, that involves communication, of everything I've said to you. So here Jesus is saying, the Father is not sending the Bible to teach you everything that I've said. He's saying the Father is going to send the Spirit to you to teach you everything I have. Words of Jesus, right? So if we want to honor the Bible and we want to take it at its word, then we have to believe and we have to pursue these other means by which Jesus himself said God wants to speak to us. Acts chapter 2, verse 17 This is at Pentecost, and this is a prophecy again about the Holy Spirit. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. That's speaking forth God's revelation. Your young men will see dreams. That's, I mean, see visions. That's getting visions that God is speaking. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. So again, the scriptures testifying that God wants to speak to and through his people by the Holy Spirit. Last one, but I could give you honestly a thousand of these. Romans 8, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So to be a child of God, one of the marks, one of the fruits in our lives, it's not the root, it's the fruit, one of the fruits in our lives is that we are led by the Holy Spirit. That involves communication, right? So the Spirit wants to lead us. The Spirit wants to speak to us. The Spirit wants to communicate God's will and God's heart and God's character to us. Oh man, I'm loving this. Now, my wife, uh, she has a sister. My wife is, is Joe right here. My wife and Joe's wife are sisters. Okay, and uh, interesting fact: people confuse them. Like when they see one, they see another. They've freaked many a person out at Target. That was like, wait, you were just in here, and now you're dressed differently, and here ten minutes later. Like it just freaks people out, right? Uh, they've had people come up to them in the lobby here and start sharing, uh, you know, deep things of their heart, only to find out you're sharing it with the wrong person. I don't, I don't know. You're right. They, they look alike. So uh, early on, uh, when we moved to Dallas, Amy and Joe were not yet married. Amy lived with us. And so sometimes she would answer Christina's phone when I called. And they thought it would be very funny to try and trick me. Like, who who am I talking to? Because their voices sound very similar on the phone, right? First couple times, I'm like, I don't know who, who I'm talking to. But after a bit, I know 100%. Like, I'm able to discern whose voice it is, I, I never confuse them apart, like ever. I never, I never, they never overlap. They, they, they look very different to me, right? Why is that? It's because I've spent so much time with Christina that I've learned to hear her voice. And when we're talking about hearing the Spirit, the way we become familiar with the voice of God is by spending time with Him and, and listening to His voice in Scripture and as we learn from his voice, hear what his voice sounds like, then we're able to discern and to listen to his voice through the Spirit. We're able to discern, well, is that just my thought? Is that just a random idea? Am I just nervous? Or is that, is that God, right? We're able, to de- we're able to determine that as we get familiar and soak ourselves and spend time in the Scriptures. It helps us understand how God speaks by the Holy Spirit. Let me give you, because uh, I realize that this is a confusing thing, and so some of you are like, "Okay, I'm good. I believe that. I just, I, you, we try." And I'm like, uh, "I just think it's me here, right? I don't, I don't, I don't hear. You talk about hearing God. I don't, I don't hear God. What are you talking about?" And I want to tell you, uh, my my son, who's three, one of them. I have a lot of kids. My my three year old, uh, he's learning how to. He he saw his brother riding his bike. He's like, man, I want to be like my brother. I want a bike, dad. I want a bike. I want a bike. I want to bike. I mean, just oh, give me a bike. So we went. We got him a bicycle with training wheels, right? And he's seen his brother, you know, riding up and down the street. So he's like, man, it's my time to shine. You know, first thing, he wants the training wheels off. He's like, I don't need these things. You know, he's, he's ready to go. I'm like, buddy, we need a little time on this. Put him on, right? And he just sits there. And I'm like, yeah, you got to pedal. Doesn't everybody know how to pedal? Just turn your feet. And and, and he's like, um, and he'll turn his feet backwards so the bike stops, you know, and he can't figure out how to do the pedal. And so after about five minutes, he's like, Dad, bike's for everybody else. It's not for me. I can't do this. I'm a failure. You know, I mean, he's right there, right? How many of us have experienced something like that? When you start trying to do something you don't know how to do, and you're like, oh, this is for everybody else, not me. I find that when we start talking about hearing God. Many of us, you get on, you're get on, you trying. I didn't hear anything or what I did hear was go eat pizza this afternoon. I, I don't know. Uh, not for me, for everybody else. I'll just be a failure and I don't know, try and cope, right? That's what we can think. But I knew as his dad, I'm like, no, we just need to practice a little bit, buddy. Like this is not for a limited few. Like riding a bike is not, this isn't that complicated. So next day we go out and this time I'm riding and I'm like bent over, like turning his feet as we're going on the bike, hurt my back, but just, you know, you're going and you're going and you're trying to create that motion. Well, after a little bit, he got it. He's like, oh, you just do this. Now he just takes off. Next day we rode to the park. I mean, he was pumped up. He's like, dad, I'm getting happy now. Like as he was figuring it out. So here's what I am going to tell you. Learning to hear God is like that. It takes time. It takes practice. You're going to have some like, uh, right? But that's okay. You're made for this. You're made for this. I don't know if you have learned a language or not. I, I, in, in my life, I've had the privilege of learning a couple, and I really, I've learned I really like languages. When I was in elementary school, junior high and high school, as probably you, if you grew up in Texas, they taught us Spanish, So even from a young age, I was fascinated by, oh, here's a different way of saying the same word and these different sounds. And it made me feel alive just to learn how to say little phrases in a language. Like, this is so cool. In college, I realized, though, that really getting good at a language was hard work. So they involved all these labs. And I was like, I'm trying to go to school as little as possible not as much. And so I tried to avoid language until my advisor was like, you have to take a foreign language if you want to graduate. And I was so mad, I honestly thought about quitting school. I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to be told what to do. Uh, but I, you know, in the end, I bought in. And I loved it. But what I realized was my study habits were just try and study the night before a test and do the best you can and then don't study anymore. Like That was what I tried to do. Some of you did that too. Don't look at me with that judgmental eye. <laughs> you know it. But in language, I realized I couldn't do that. I had to like, give myself to it every day. I had to immerse myself in it. I had to be willing to make mistakes. I had to surround my people. Honestly, I, I was learning Latin, and the people that were really into Latin were like just very, very different than me. Um, and so it involved me putting myself around some new people, but they were headed in the same direction I was going in, and we could learn together. You may or may not know this, but my wife and I, we moved to North Africa several years ago. We lived planting churches there for a number of years. And to do that, we had to learn Arabic. Now, Arabic, right? Man, if if Spanish was different, Latin was different, Arabic was, whoa. Like, you don't read like this way, you read this way. None of the letters are the same. There are even letters that they have that we don't have. So like, oh yeah, you're an American. You're probably not going to be able to make the sound ever. I guess really encouraging on day one of, of language school, you know? And so we had to give ourselves to it and be willing to make mistakes and to be willing to learn and to be willing to try stuff out and not be perfect. And as we did, we experienced the joy of learning the language, right? It's the same way with the language of the Holy Spirit. If you grew up in the States or you a, have a couple generations here in the States, we are predominantly the product of rationalism. I mean, the way that we think information comes is through our minds and through thinking. And that's very important. If you know me, man, I love that stuff. I'll go sit in the library with you for a long time. My Kindle is so full. It's embarrassing. Like, I love that. But what we see in the Bible is that's not all that there is to the way that we're designed. We're not just designed with a mind. We're designed with a spirit. And we need to learn how to hear the language of the spirit. This is why Paul said in Ephesians 1, he said, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart would be opened. He's not praying, I pray you'd learn a little more. He there's something deeper within us that needs to be opened up for us to understand all that God has for us. In 1 Corinthians, it says that God communicates by his spirit to our spirit. So we need to be spiritual people to understand what God is saying. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul talks about, he says, I pray with my mind, which is important. But I also pray with my spirit. I sing with my mind, right? But I also sing with my spirit. So there's this side of us, the spirit side of us, that we need to learn the language of the spirit. A few of the ways that the Holy Spirit speaks, if you're just like, okay, kind of with you, help me, like bring bring it practical. Number one, we saw in Acts 2 that God speaks through dreams. It doesn't mean that every dream is from God. Some dreams are just your own kind of anxieties, I guess, your own fears. But God speaks through dreams. I shared one with you at the beginning of this service. You see them throughout the Bible. In fact, now that I've said this to you, as you read the Bible, you're going to be overwhelmed at the amount of times that God speaks to people through dreams. So if you're trying to learn how to hear God through the Spirit, I'd encourage you to take note of your dreams and even to ask God to speak to you in your dreams. See what happens. Second way that we saw in Acts that God speaks is through visions, through visions. Now think about this. A dream happens when we're asleep. We've all experienced them. A vision is very similar, but it happens while you're awake. And rather than being at nighttime with your eyes closed, oftentimes your eyes can be open, but there's almost like a a movie or a scene or a picture that comes to you. It's a vision, right? And God speaks through visions. So I want to encourage you, try sometime being awake and closing your eyes and asking God to speak to you and see what comes, what, what, what you see. For some of you, that's going to be one of the primary ways that the Spirit speaks to you. Third, God speaks through impressions. In the Old Testament, the word for prophet was deeply rooted in the idea of a fountain bubbling forth water. right? And we know from John chapter 7, we receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in us. Like living water. That's why, as a kid, you might have sang the song, I've got a river of life flowing out of me, right? Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me, right? And so, one of the ways that the Spirit speaks is by almost like bubbling up from within these impressions, these feelings. You might call it intuition, you might call it your gut, right? But this is the Spirit, and this is the language of the Spirit, and we need to learn that. But again, We need revelation, we need interpretation, and we need application. Just like the others, we can get way off with the right revelation but the wrong interpretation. If you studied world history and you studied cults, most of the time they're launched out of someone feeling like they had an encounter with God and that meant this, and that leads them in a very, very dark path. So we need interpretation and we need application. Now, as we close, you might be asking, well, Zach... You know, I've read in the Old Testament that when people say, if I'm speaking on behalf of God and they're wrong, that they're to be stoned. Are, are we going to start stoning people around here? Like, I don't, I don't want to go near that with a 10-foot pole. So many places I could go with that comment, but I'll try and stay on track. Um, oh, boy. Uh, okay. So here's the thing. It does say that. But if you read through the Old Testament, what you see is that over and over and over again, there were communities formed called schools of the prophets or companies of the prophets. And what you get is that there are major prophets like Elijah or Elisha, but there was this school around them where people could go and could learn and develop how to hear God by the Spirit. In the New Testament, that's one of the primary images that is communicated about what the church is about. That it is an environment like a school with a lab where we can learn and we can grow in a safe place. And you realize in school you're going to make mistakes. You're going to be pushed. There may be things that you don't know. Where we can make mistakes, but we can learn together how to hear God's voice, God's desires that we would learn as a community. And I want you to know this church is a place where you can learn and you can take some risks and you can take some steps of faith, and that God has put community in your life to help you discern the interpretation and application. God has put spiritual leaders in your life to help you discern the interpretation and the application. And I'm just so excited to see as we pursue this together, as we learn to hear God together, what God does in us and what God does through us Here in the city and around the world, I want to invite you to stand as we close. I want to pray for you. I've closed each, or I've shared at each message in this series, the Stanley Hauerwass quote that I want to share again with you that I go to church does not mean that I think Jesus is only to be found there. It just means that he has promised to show up there in a manner that can help us discern how he shows up in other places. So we come together, right? Jesus is showing up here, and he's speaking to us here, but it's to teach us how to discern him in our daily lives, what he wants to do. Jesus, we love you. God, thank you that you speak. Thank you that you are not silent, but you reveal yourself. Thank you that you've made each one of us here in the room with an ability to communicate with you. We may feel great at that. We may feel like we are at the beginning of the beginning of the beginning, Lord, but wherever we are, You love us, and you want us to grow, and you want to help us, and you want to speak to us. So I pray that you would help us to grow, Lord. I pray that you'd help us to learn and hear your voice in creation, in Scripture, and in the Spirit, Lord. I pray that you'd help us to hear your voice and to walk in it, God. you give us revelation, interpretation, and application for your glory and the good of our neighbor. In Jesus' name, amen.